Hello and welcome to Passing for Normal, where there's a new normal every day. I'm your host, Sharon Weil, and during this time of coronavirus uncertainty, I've been bringing you a special series of helpful insights and practices from experienced body-based practitioners in order to keep you healthy, protected, calm, and balanced while sheltering at home or in the transition back out. Today, I'm wrapping up this incredible season of podcasts by inviting guest host Emma Destrubay, acupuncturist, artist, and continuum somatic educator, to be in conversation with me so that I can reflect upon what I've learned from all these amazing interviews during this COVID-19 series. So welcome, Emma. Thank you for having me. I am handing the mic over to you. Thank you. I was going to say this is a conversation that I would want to have even if we weren't recording it. So I'm really happy to be here. Um, I wanted to start by asking you why you chose to do this series in the first place. What inspired you and um, what in your own life called it forth? Beyond, of course, the pandemic. Well, it was the pandemic that called this particular season forward because I found that as the pandemic was, you know, coming closer to our shores and that we were having all of this sudden change and all this shutdown and sort of unbelievable things were going on in terms of borders closing and travel. And my own daughter was, you know, her college was closing and she had to hightail it across the country. And I found myself being afraid and I found myself suddenly without tools that I thought I had, you know, I mean, I've been practicing continuum for 25 or more years. I meditate. I, you know, think that I had a lot of, uh, practices in my pocket and yet I found myself without. And I thought, wow, if I don't have my tools, then it's really quite possible that other people are finding themselves without tools as well. And so I wanted to reach out to um, some of the people that I find have the most uh, incredibly helpful uh, perspective and that being somatic educators and specifically uh, people who are uh, involved in the practice of continuum. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this, that you could have interviewed so many different kinds of practitioners that would have had amazing things to say in this time, you know, counselors or psychologists, social workers, community organizers, you know, so many different um, kinds of practitioners. What about embodied work is so important for this time? And why is it that these kinds of practitioners are so uniquely poised to address the needs of this time? Well, for one thing, we were told to shelter at home. And some people Mm -hmm. were, um, because of the way that they live at home, sheltering by themselves. And one of the central principles of Continuum is teaching us how to be self-referential. How to, through sensation, through locating our own sensation, understand that, that that is our primary authority. And so... Uh, as doctors were not available, as uh, anyone who is in the touch field became unavailable, massage or, um, you know, anyone who worked in touch was going to be not available. I felt like people who, who teach continuum and any kind of somatic practice, because a lot of these continuum, a lot of the people that I interviewed um, do multiple things 
you know, they're, they're an osteopath and a continuum teacher like you. You're an acupuncturist and a continuum teacher. They're an artist and a continuum teacher. So there's already this blend. But it really has to do with looking at sensation as your primary resource and learning how to self-regulate when it's really just yourself that you have. Mm. So one of the things that I heard so often from maybe every single um, interviewee was that word of self-reference and then also self re- or self-regulate and also self-reference. And I, I'm wondering what, what would you say is the difference between self-referencing and self-regulating and why are each so crucial? Hmm. Interesting. Well, I think that self-regulate is a term that can be applied to a lot of different functions in the body. You know, uh, self-regulation has to do with being able to calm the system or being able to find center, find your midline and return to a place of, of grounding um, or also uh, regulating the physiological symptoms that accompany a rush or race in emotion like heartbeat or uh, accelerated breath, things that people might associate with uh, anxiety, right? So self-regulation is the ability to use our own tools to find calm and center. Self-reference is something different. Self-reference is really learning how to Use your own sensation, use your own breath, use the way in which you locate yourself in space, in the chair, knowing where I am at any given time as a primary focus, very different than um, referencing something outside of myself. And our teacher, Emily Conrad, used to always talk about how You know, when you are self-referential, when you use yourself as your basic authority based on your own experiential knowledge, then other people cannot have control and authority over you. And right now, it's such a confusing time. It's not just an uncertain time. It's also a confusing time because we don't know who to listen to. And especially in this transition time of should we still be inside? Is it okay to go out? Should we be wearing masks? Should we not be wearing masks? And in the United States, it's like state by state, right? Here we're wearing masks. Here we're not wearing masks. Mm -hmm. Um, And so information is confusing. So not only is it uncertain in terms of just not being able to predict how the future is going to unfold, but it's also confusing. And so any way that we can use the tools of our own body, which means breath and movement and and tracking sensation, to be able to locate where I am right now is is extremely important. Mm. So you're saying that by locating where I am, by grounding myself in sensation, I can anchor myself into the present moment and be less uh, pulled into this kind of tornado of information misinformation confusion exactly exactly Mm -hmm. finding Mm -hmm. you know amber gray which was the first interview in this series the title was finding ground in the swirl 
That's exactly what you're mm-hmm. talking about. You know, how do I locate myself, anchor myself so that I know this is where I am and so I don't get so caught up in the, um, the emotions and the, the whirlwind around me. Yeah. And I think it's really something that we're not taught in our culture. You know, from the time we're children, we're, we're basically taught at school to ignore our sensations, you know, to sit still and be quiet. And, you know, we're not taught to feel in and use our internal authority to let us know whether we're okay and if we're okay. So we're all checking Facebook and checking the news and checking, checking to know whether, whether we're all right, which is so anxiety generating just in and of itself, regardless of what information we find at the other end of that news feed, you know? Right, because in school we're taught to override our sensations. I'm hungry, but it's not lunchtime. I need to go pee, but it's not uh, recess. You know, I whatever genuine impulses I have, I'm taught to uh, override them or ignore them. Or, you know, emotionally I'm told, oh, you're not really feeling that, or that's not appropriate to feel, right? And so there are all these ways mm-hmm. in which we are taught to override and to doubt uh, the sensations that are um, the absolute indicators of what our, uh, what our own basic truth is. Right, which is so fundamentally disempowering. Right, and so um, a lot of what we want to do uh, right now, what I was hoping to do by bringing all of these somatic voices forward in this particular season is to empower people in this time that feels mm-hmm. really scary. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I felt as a common thread, and you're, you're, you know, you're speaking to it in what you were just saying um, around being able to sit with emotions and feel the range of them, that I think one of the gifts of somatic practices is that it helps us to reframe discomfort and move us out of a kind of black, white, positive, negative way of experiencing. Could you say anything more about that or what you learned from people speaking to that through the series? Well, you know, one of the things that you talk about in terms of like reframing emotion is, first of all, just not to label it, you know, to really feel the sensation of the emotion as sensation as a direct message, which gives me a lot more possibility for how to work with it. Even the word fear, which I, you know, have used a lot, or the word anxiety, you know, our languaging locks us into our experience. And a lot of what Continuum teaches and offers is how to be in genuine inquiry and how to look at or experience possibility of what else this might be. So let's say my heart's racing and my breath is, is um, I'm, you know, my breath is tight and I'm calling it anxiety, but maybe it's not anxiety. You know, maybe it's something else. And can I just really rest into that heartbeat? Can I feel into that heartbeat? And, and find the rhythm of it. And can I learn something about that rhythm, which may not be what I was expecting. Maybe it's not anxiety at all. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's excitement. Maybe it's just something that wants my attention in this moment. Mm. Which of course requires slowing down, which is, you know, easier said than done. What are, what are some of the, um, your kind of takeaways in terms of little 
um, tricks or little practices um, that people spoke to around just creating that pause, just that breaking that initial layer of speed in order to start to find the pause. Right. So one of the big transitions, I think, for everyone when we were told to shelter at home was this like putting on the brakes and wherever you were Mm -hmm. at, suddenly um, you got a chance to really look at the speed that you usually operate in. Right. And for most people, it was fast and fragmented and multi-layered. And so people found that they had to slow down. Otherwise, they were going to continue to be very frustrated and very unhappy. And the pause, and a lot of people started to, as they as time went on, sinking into what was being called a pause in the pause, right? And cherishing mm. this pause, this, this way that we could elongate, as long as we didn't know what time or day it was and we weren't getting out of our pajamas, we might as well... <laughs> elongate time and really go into that pause and feel what nuances are there. So in the interviews, people were offering a lot of breath practices of ways of slowing down the breath, elongating the breath, paying attention to the breath, dropping the breath down, um, as well as connecting with nature. And, you know, at least here in California, it was springtime, even, you know, in March when things were shutting down. And so a lot of new life was unfolding right outside the door. Leaves were coming onto trees, flowers were starting to bloom, grass was growing, and there was this amazing migration of birds. And because mm-hmm. everything had quieted down, there was no traffic, there were very few airplanes, the air got clean and the and quiet. And in that quiet was the, the piercing, ringing sound of these very happy birds. Mm-hmm. And, and so anytime I would go outside and just sort of match my rhythm with one of those unfolding leaves or match my rhythm with the sound of the birds, I found myself almost spreading, like a sensation of spreading and a sensation of relaxing. Now, I do want to mention that also in the beginning of that spring, at least here, there was a lot of wind, a lot of big wind. But even matching myself Mm -hmm. with that big wind gave me a feeling of belonging with that wind. Like my rhythm was not different from that rhythm. And there's something about that resonant quality that is also very relaxing to the system, even if it's more fast paced. Mm-hmm. Because I do not yeah, feel, I, think- I don't feel separate from right. what's outside of me. My inside is matching the outside. Yeah, you're speaking to connection, which I think is one of the things that has been the greatest struggle for so many people during this time. You know, losing connection to the things that give them purpose in life, to their loved ones, to physical contact. So in a sense, you're talking about um, broadening our capacity for connection. Right, you know, and really looking at those words, isolation, 
and, you know, sheltering and, and, you know, people were, there was a range of words that people were using everything from lockdown to shutdown to shelter at home to social isolation. Um, and the experience of isolation is a, is a difficult one. And especially if I tell myself that's what's going on. But again, am I isolate because I, you know, it's like, because I can't do what I usually do, does that mean that I'm isolated? And if I am cut off from the people that I usually work with or being able to visit with my family, how else can I feel or find connection? And Mm. that connection, so many of these people that I interviewed were, were um, looking to nature and looking to finding connection with the earth, with the soil, walking on the grass, or again, a lot of people were still in snow, but walking in the snow, listening to the trees, finding that nature connection that is larger than me, which gives Mm -hmm. me a feeling that I am not alone. Because I am not alone. We are not alone. No matter what I tell myself in my saddest, most cut off moments, I am not alone. And so if I need to be reminded, if there are experiences that I need to have to remind me of that, going outside and communing with the trees and the breeze and the birds, you know, um, that resonance, the resonance of the fluids that we talk about so much in continuum is available to us if we just tune in. And like you said, I have to slow down first in order to be able to perceive the nuances. And then once I am, it's so rich. It's so rich. You know, once I, once I slowed down and was really in the pause, I did not want things to speed up and get back on board again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so many people felt that way. Yeah, I still feel that way. Yeah, yeah. Still. And then in that in that conversation about connection, how does the breath come into that? Like, I think every single person spoke to breath. And you know, for those of us who practice this work, it, we are we are living and breathing in conversations about breath. But for many people, you know, breathing is a function of staying alive. But beyond that, there is not given much thought. Can you say more about why is breath so important and how how does it act as such a fundamental um, avenue of connection? Right. Well, breath is the ultimate shapeshifter. It's the ultimate mood shifter. It's the ultimate physiological state shifter. And it's something that I have with me all the time. So it's like my handy dandy tool that's in my back pocket all the time, only it's sitting in my chest. Um, (laughs) And so by being able to become aware of my breath, the the in breath and the out breath, and to be able to slow my breath down consciously, when I feel like, first of all, maybe when I don't even know that I'm breathing at all, or when I need to feel more calm, that by by tuning into my breath, by slowing down my breath, by allowing my breath to become fuller, I can literally shift my mood or my state. 
Also, breath is, it's the model for everything. Respiration is the model, the inflow and the outflow. How I take the world in, how I reach out into the world. Mm. And yeah, every and is- everyone in this, you know, um, many people offered uh simple exercises and almost all of them all of them involved involved finding your breath many of them involved making certain sounds which which amplifies the breath which um gives the breath a certain shape or a certain texture or a certain quality but that is the beginning. The beginning of all movement is in the breath. Mm. Which I suppose takes us back to the conversation about self-referencing and self-regulating. That if we can feel the, the rhythm and the rate and the depth and the, the quality of our own breath, it's, it's a constant and immediate connection to a deeper part of ourselves that we're really not generating ourselves. You know, breathing happens whether we do it or not. Mm-hmm. So it is that connection to nature that you were talking about as well. Yes, it, and it is that it is that part of ourself that we can trust, right? You know, a lot mm-hmm. of times when our breath gets um, too fast or or um, or short or constricted, um, a lot of fear comes in, and I think I have to do it. I'm breathing, I'm controlling my breath, I have to make this breath happen, or I can't make this breath happen. And interestingly, or not so interestingly, you know, COVID-19 affects people's respiration. And so the fears about getting the virus are also fears about not being able to breathe. And, you know, all of the protests uh, that we have been experiencing, came off of George Floyd, his, his, um, his death and saying, I can't breathe. And the, and the slogans and the, in the marches, many people said, I can't breathe. And that is literal and it's a metaphor, right? But when I can let myself breathe, when I can, if I'm allowed to breathe, if there's enough context, if there's enough room in the context, whether it's a social context or whether it's the physical context of my own rib cage, if I have room to breathe, then the breath can breathe itself and then I can trust. Can I trust Mm -hmm. that my body is breathing itself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how in my very personal and private way can I unbridle myself from these these constructs or history or ancestry that have, like you said, bound my ribcage so that I can experience deep breath and the the resonance that that, that, that um, implies, you know, the connection with nature and connection with something larger. Right. Everyone needs the right to breathe. Everyone Everyone needs the room to breathe without constriction. So in this moment, if you were to guide us from your own experience and from the input of all of these speakers in 
the first step in, in feeling our own breath or allowing it to be a little bit freer, where would you begin right now? Hmm. I'm doing it right now <laughs> um, <laughs> to get quiet, to close my eyes so that I can tune into my inner sensation rather than the visual sensation that's coming to me. Um, to get quiet and just feel what the quality of my breath is right now without trying to make anything happen. Just feel mm. where it is in my lungs and feel the response that my ribs have. Are they allowed to expand? Are they holding stiff? And just finding that breath and maybe even putting my hands over my heart or over my sternum and maybe even pressing a little bit just to locate myself a little more and then let that press lighten. So letting my hands come off of my chest and see if the breath can come to meet my hands. Sometimes it's good to have something to push up against. It's a good way of locating yourself. That's what we do. We use resistance often to locate ourselves, but then to lighten that resistance, let it open up, let the breath come out to meet my hands and play with that in an, in an alternating way. And also to check where I'm sitting, how I'm sitting, what's my position, you know, and allowing myself to rest back, to rest back and allow the, what we might call the back body, the back of myself, which we often are not paying any attention to. We're so frontally oriented that we don't, we don't brush the back of our hair, right? We just, we don't think so much of our orientation in the back. You know, one of the explorations that I was personally working with and still am during this whole time was that range between resting all the way back and being pulled forward. And doing that because in the beginning, um, when the lockdown happened, um, and I experienced as a, it as a lockdown, um, I found myself stuck in what we would call a hypervigilance. This, this, this almost um, stutter of being pulled forward, pulled forward, pulled forward. You know, there were a couple weeks there where I could not sleep at all. And that is not usually like me. I mean, I couldn't sleep and my heart was racing and I just kept my feeling myself being pulled forward, pulled forward, pulled forward, and recognized that there were many things that had happened to me um, over the past six or eight months that were um, traumatic or, or upsetting to my system. And I thought I had worked through them, but apparently I hadn't. They were still in there. And so when this happened, it triggered all of it. And so I found myself being sort of stuck in this stutter of being pulled forward, pulled forward. And so as we got quiet, as this pause was given to us, 
I invited myself to start to rest back and really rest back, which meant that I also was finding my breath and and dropping it down and slowing it down. But when I was resting back, I really let myself lean back, rest into pillows, rest into the back of the chair. And I became aware of all of the times that I still felt this pull forward, even as I was resting back. And recognizing that that is a range to play with. That is a real range. And I think it's especially helpful as we are making this transition now into being back out into the world to some extent, but not full extent. Like where am I located on that range of resting back or of pulling forward or being pulled forward? And can I maintain the space between those two points? And can I still keep resting all the way back, spreading out as I rest back, even as I'm being invited to be pulled forward? It's been, a, it's been an incredible exploration for me and really valuable because sometimes I can really feel the gaps of where, um, uh, where I get like just pulled forward and then I, I, I lose, I lose uh, the sensation of my back body altogether. There's not a continuity. Mm-hmm. I'm just out. I'm out there. Yeah. So in a way, it's, it's been an opportunity for you to fill in those, those spaces in between and find a more smooth transition between out and in or in and out. That's right. That's right. And feel, you know, because I came into this question uh, through my breath, you know, feel what is the quality of my breath in mm-hmm. every place along that spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the the what you were speaking to around how um, you know the the kind of heightened anxiety of this moment triggered these other anxieties that that you found were still living in your body um, from the past months. I think the same is so true, and in such a huge way, following the murder of George Floyd for Black people in this country. And I think some of these tools around um, breath and finding moments of self-referencing and slowing down so finding the settle into the pillows is so crucial for our country's capacity to keep protesting and keep moving out you know we have to balance that with an inward liberation as well yeah very well very well said yeah so we could talk about this forever um as we come to a close i want to and by asking you if there's any just little touchstones, takeaways from this this season for you. I know you mentioned breath, you mentioned connection to nature. Are there other touchstones that you would you would earmark? Hmm. I think it really does have to do with connection. Mm. And and the sensation of being connected to something larger than ourselves by being embodied within ourselves. Whether it's connection to other people, whether it's connection to the earth, whether it's connection to the trees, whether it's connection to um, 
a sense of trust that comes with um, a spiritual experience. Mm. But that really is what it is to be human and what it is to use this human body, to use this human body as a way to reach out and out and out, right? And a way to mm. be, to be, to find our place in the, in the larger biointelligence, in the larger cosmic order. You know, viruses are part of the natural world and viruses mm -hmm. are an evolutionary force. Without viruses, we would not evolve. They, you know, their own mutations and that their, their um, movement towards their own thriving causes other things to have to evolve and mutate. And I suspect that, that as humans, we will evolve to accommodate this virus just as we have accommodated so many other viruses and bacteria and microbes. It's what keeps us evolving. But the sense mm -hmm. of not excluding it, not being at war with it, um, but to accept the virus and accept, accept every, what we think of as aspect, but every joined part of our world, our biointelligence, and to feel the connection and to be able to use our bodies as the way to connect is um, a very expansive and comforting sensation and idea. So beautiful, profound. Thank you so much, Sharon. This whole series, as well as this conversation, has been such a such an amazing resource for these times, and I'm sure going forward, and there'll be it'll be an interesting document to reflect back on, you know, ten years from now. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, I wrote the book Changeability based on the very first season of this podcast that I did, where I was listening to these change makers talk about how they worked with change and what was good for and necessary for change and it inspired me to synthesize what they had said and um, put it into these seven principles for change and, and really looking at the whole idea of change. And I could very well, this feels like 3.0, you know, I could very well synthesize everything that was said in this particular season and have more to mm. reflect on about the way in which we can change, need to change, and navigate with uh, what we're experiencing right now, which is extreme change. Absolutely. Yeah. Changeability um, was such an amazing, it is, I really encourage readers or listeners to go and read it. It's, um, there's the book itself, and then there's a workbook that will take you through, right, a playbook that will take you through exercises to reflect upon your own change and changes and changeability, ability to navigate change as the new stability. It was a very, um, a very uh, foretelling title. It was a you, very you foretelling something. title. But I'll tell you, I was <laughs> challenged. I was, I knew something yeah. we didn't, but I was challenged. I mean, it really took me to task, you know, uh, all of this, this change took me to task. 
Um, but as time unfolded, I came back to those principles that were articulated in that book. And I said, yes, that's right. That's what we need. But also a lot of what we need is to be able to find ways to, to dissolve our fear so that we can be mm. open to what is possible. And I feel like that's where we're sitting right now in these times. Are we going to be afraid because things are changing and looking so different? Or are we going to be able to be open to what is possible uh, next? And it doesn't necessarily have to be a dire outcome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sharon. What a pleasure to talk with you as always. Are you planning a next season of this podcast or what else do we have to look forward to from you uh, there will be a next season of the podcast uh because there always is a next season of the podcast so right now i'm gonna <laughs> take a little rest and digest everything that's been said and where can we find your books where can we find more about you ah so um my website is SharonWeilAuthor.com, so S-H-A-R-O-N-W-E-I-L, author.com, and uh, uh, episodes of the podcast are on there, um, the books are on there, um, uh, my continuum practice is on there, so uh, that's the best place to find things, find me and find about me. Perfect. Emma, thank you so well, much. Thanks. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to uh, uh, to express what I've learned and to uh, learn even more. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for making this season of the podcast. It was really incredible. This has been Passing for Normal, conversations about change. If you like our podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. It helps our audience to grow. To find out more about author Sharon Weil, go to SharonWeilAuthor.com. You can also find out more about the Changeability books and about all the guests featured in this podcast at that website. Large or small, go out today and make a brave change. Dare to bring new ideas forward. Our world needs you right now.